Hello and welcome to the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. We are back, back once again. <clears throat> Second episode of the week. Um, I hope you liked the last episode with Alex Kaufman. He's he's my buddy. I got a, my only feedback that I've received is my mom listened. So, um, but yeah, good dude. I had a lot of fun. Overall, I had a lot of fun in Montana. I am gonna. I am going to do a little bit more griping on this episode because uh, <laughs> the last episode, if you listen at the beginning, I, I started to go into it and um, Alex has a more dependent relationship on some venues in Montana. If I never go back to Montana, my comedy career will be fine. I want to go back. I would love to go back. I had a lot of fun. I enjoyed Last Best Comedy Club. I enjoyed uh, the other venues, even the one we had um, a little bit of a problem with the the Rathskeller and Helena, <laughs> which I didn't realize. I my biggest problem, I suppose, as a moral person, should be the the reverse swastikas on the way in the door. But I'll give him I'll give him a pass on that. <laughs> That it is a weird it is a weird thing to be like this building is probably over a hundred years old, meaning, meaning, it was around the whole time during World War II, and they've had this whole time to just like let's get a fucking stonemason in here let's change this please for the love of God we got these these confusing swastika tiles, and uh, hang on now I got to go mute my fucking work computer. Anyway, so we had that problem. Um, the problem was that the booker either got fired or was let or left or whatever. In between, he was like, "Yeah, we're just trying to figure out if we're going to start your show at seven or eight o'clock or sometime in between." That was the last message I received from him. And then the venue itself, I finally like I wouldn't have even had. I, I mean, just truly, by the way, outside of the swastikas, get rid of the swastikas, but the Montana Club in uh, in Helena, Montana. When we walked in, I was like, how much money am I willing to take and not cause a stink? So we had agreed to give you the full peel the, peel the curtain back. We had agreed on $500. I originally asked for a little bit more, but I'm already in Montana, so the, so the requirements for a, for a show, what I need to be paid to make a show worth it are a little bit different, especially when this is like a middle day. This is a day, it's a Friday when I'm leaving on Sunday. So it's, I'm performing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. If not having a day means that I'm paying for either paying for a hotel room or I'm amortizing the flight over all these shows and just, so any adding one show is just, my costs are kind of already established. So any, any show is like, um, reduced loss or profit. So I asked for 500 or I asked for, uh, I think maybe I asked for like 750 or 600. There was a couple places we were talking to and they came back with 500 and I just wanted to get it on the calendar. So I accepted it. And then there was this, you know, this gap in communication and I was like, okay, so we have this host. If we pay him, I'd like to make, like, I'd like to clear at least 200 bucks off this. Even if, even if we don't even do the show, I have 
this is this is the thing that this is worth considering by the way if you're ever booking why it's more expensive to book a comic or a musical act or whatever on a Friday or Saturday than it is on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And the reason is because I actually could theoretically be booked on that on that uh Friday. There's like it's not just what is my time cost, but it's also like what am I turning down? What are the what are the um what are the alternatives? What is my opportunity cost to accept your gig and not pursue other gigs? And so I um shout out to them. They paid me in full. I they had to have lost a lot of money. They were I mean, we had 11 people in the crowd. None of them came for for me. There were a couple people that maybe saw like the the Actually, you know what? There might have been three people that saw like their Instagram post and then some people were friends with the host and we gave them a good show. We did like a full length show. I think I did uh, 45 minutes, which was 11 people in a in a basement at eight o'clock on a Friday isn't the worst thing we did. We did close to a 90 minute show and that's fine. Everyone liked it. Um. I did, uh, so my friend Alex, the original plan was that I was going to stay. We, <laughs> we didn't talk about this completely on there, but I stayed in his in his uh, townhouse, this townhouse he just started renting pretty recently. And so I stay, I hate air mattresses. I've always hated air mattresses. I've had lower back pain since I was like 18 years old because I, at 18 years old, I started working at a box factory and I worked, I worked, um, full-time physical labor till I was like 25. And at that point between college coursework and, uh, an experience at this box, at these two box factories that I worked at, I was able to get an office job and, um, that, but I mean, even sedentary stuff isn't great for your back. I got a, I got a lower back pain, but I threw out my back. You all know that from my, uh, from the, the second episode of last week, I threw out my back and I was not in good shape. And I showed up at his house and he throws, uh, uh, like poorly inflated. Actually, you know what? I'll give this, this, what this air mattress some credit. Every time I would go up to it, I'm like, this thing feels underinflated. But it's like one of those fancy mattresses that has like the the integrated pump. The pump is built into it and battery powered, so you can use it while you're camping, even if you don't have access to a to a an electricity source. And also it's got this like valve system that I think kind of regulates the maximum. I don't think you could blow this thing up, meaning I don't think you could pop it. And as it turns out, it probably has just the right amount of of give. I will give it that much credit. Just the right amount of give. And so I um So the first night I go to sleep and there's no sheets, there's no pillow. 
No, not even the first night. It was actually, I did figure it out before. It was like 5 p.m. I ended up getting sheets and a pillow. So he gives me this thing. It's like a, like a, like a tote bag with, with sheets in it and this pillow. And I, when, when it's finally time to go to sleep, I open the sheet bag. It's two fitted sheets, twin size fitted sheets. Also, this is this townhouse that I'm not familiar with. It's fucking freezing cold. I have altitude sickness. I have this like killer fucking headache. I've traveled the, uh, the second night I actually got what is called an ocular headache that I think was related to altitude sickness as I was performing like 20 minutes in my eyes started watering. My fucking skull felt like it was ripping in half. It, um, yeah, it really hurt. And can I say that, uh, I was in just in a, I was in a bad, in a bad <laughs> position because we also had agreed on, I paid him, a, I was going to pay him a little bit of money to stay in this condo because Alex had to start his lease early so that I could do it. And so he ended up, by the way, comping, comping both days, but, um, boy, was it rough. I didn't like party because we were doing like, basically I would get off my day job at five o'clock and immediately we had to leave for the shows to be able to get there on time. So I was, I mean, I had like no time, get off at five, go to the shows. We'd show up less than an hour in advance in every case because, um, because of the nature of those drives and yeah, they were, I mean, every show was fun. I had a good set. I think every show they didn't not, they didn't sell a lot of merch. I'll say I'll, I'll bitch about this. Uh, so similarly to this Helena gig last best comedy club, I was originally scheduled to do the early Friday show. And the idea is you book the early Friday show, and then if you sell enough tickets, maybe you add a late Friday show. You get two shows. I like doing more shows. That's my preference. I always want to do more shows. In uh, Spokane, at the end of the month, when I'm there with J.P. Sears, he just added shows. Not only is it good for me financially, by the way, and I'm very happy. And I'm gonna. That's going to be a great weekend for me financially, but I get to do the set again. I get to do more sets. I want to do a lot more sets. I love doing comedy. I love doing comedy, so let me do as much comedy as possible. And so, um, Last Best Comedy Club, they originally scheduled me for that. Then they, I ask them, I'm like, hey, it's not on the calendar. They go, oh yeah, we gotta, we gotta figure out this, these, this detail with this, these other people we're trying to book. Would you mind doing the late show? And now, if I do the late show, the problem with that is late shows traditionally, and I think this place is no different. They don't sell as well, and it's a door deal at Last Best Comedy Club. It's not a 100% door deal. There's like this, um, they have a structure that's maybe not as, it's probably, it probably comes out after, after it's all said and done to like a 50 or 60% door deal, which isn't the best deal in the game. I'll say that not the best deal in the game, but again, I want a headline. It's a, uh, it's a small, cool venue with a lot of, um, a lot of potential for being able to like record an album or something in there. So I, 
finally, we what we decide is I'm going to do an early show. I'm going to do a show on Saturday. I'm going to do the early show on Saturday, which is that's actually ideal. Saturday early at comedy clubs is typically the best night, the best show. At least the show that sells the best. So then uh, the weekend's getting closer and closer, and I start to realize that the the show is not on the it's not on their website. Similar to Helena, I'm noticing it's not on their website, and you know. I would like to be putting money towards like advertising and stuff like that, but I'm not going to advertise in Helena if I'm not going to be in fucking Helena. I'm not going to advertise in Bozeman if I'm not going to be in Bozeman performing. And so oh, suddenly I pull, there's nothing on the website for that day for October 30th, nothing on the website, several days in a row. I'm checking this. Finally, I pull it up one day and there is a show. It's an improv show. There's an improv show where my comedy show should be and where my stand-up show should be. And so we did a bunch of juggling. I started my show at seven. The improv show started at nine when it was supposed to start at eight. And it was a whole thing. And the other problem with that is the improv show, as I understand it, did not sell very many tickets. And so they encouraged everyone from the stand-up show to stick around, which meant they didn't leave, which means they didn't walk past my shirts, which means I sold one, sh the place where I should have sold the most merch, I, sh I sold zero shirts. I, pro I came relatively close to only covering, with shirt sales, the carry-on baggage fee this weekend. <laughs> so, very annoying. That part, very annoying. Um, I'll make up for it. Do we have anything else to talk about? Oh, my hotel. I, um... The first night, I didn't really care about it, but I heard, like, the most white trash conversation happening. Uh, next door. But that first night I was also just absolutely exhausted. I had slept about three hours on an air mattress. I had had wall to wall shit going on the rest of the time. I was fucking exhausted. So that, that night I, I did have some noise issues with the neighboring room, but I just put on the, uh, like a white noise track from my phone, cranked it, fell asleep. I slept like 11 hours that night. It was great. And then the next night I was not as tired. I didn't have as much sleep inertia. In fact, after sleeping 11 hours and hammering coffee late at night, which is what I am want to do on a, on a comedy show night, I, uh, I actually, uh, I ended up staying up until like 3am. It was pretty, pretty frustrating. I kept like, I tried the white noise machine app. I'm also like, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm not trying to wake someone up. I'm, I was trying to be like, I guess like a fucking days in in Bozeman. I don't expect there to be like a perfect, it to be like a perfect experience. I still slept better there than in Alex Kaufman's guest room. I also, what struck me, and if you're in Bozeman, please, please take action to change this. But Alex is very, very trusting of the people of Bozeman, 
to not steal out of his car. At one point, we're like parked outside of some bars and he's just got his camera sitting out on his back seat. And listen, I live in a neighborhood where like I, I you know, there's a lot of foot traffic and there's um, diverse income and people. And I, I really enjoy it. And I like, you know, I, I don't feel unsafe in my neighborhood by any means. And I've even accidentally left stuff out of my seat, but not on purpose. Like, I feel like an asshole when I come back to my car and my wallet is sitting on my fucking chair. And so, please steal from Alex Kaufman. If you live in Bozeman, Montana, please steal from Alex Kaufman. Put the fear of, put the fear of God in him. Um, anyway, I don't remember why I brought that up. Okay. I'm going to, I guess I'm going to talk about a couple sports things before this is over. I'm going to try to have it done in under a half hour. Um, Donald Trump went to a, an Atlanta Braves game and did the tomahawk chop. Well, along with many people in the audience, by the way. And I got into a discussion with my father-in-law about this. And I just, I want to talk about the, the native American imagery in sports and kind of like, so first off, I'll, I'll clarify. I grew up on a, I grew up on an Indian tribe. I grew up on the Puyallup Indian tribe. I call it the Puyallup Indian tribe because, or uh, sorry, I grew up on an Indian tribe. I grew up on a reservation. Um, I grew up on the Puyallup Indian tribe reservation, and I call them the Puyallup Indian tribe because that's what they call themselves. I, uh, there, I know there's a bunch of new like Canada's got different names for for. Um, they used to be called first nations and now I think they're called first people, but I grew up on the Puyallup Indian tribe reservation. Um, I've kind of followed these closely because I think that, that first off, there are some team names that are related to native Americans that I think are. Like the Florida State Seminoles. That's when everyone brings up, oh, the Florida State, nobody's met at the Florida State Seminoles. And it's like, one, they're referencing a specific tribe in a very positive way. They include members of the tribe in their pregame ceremonies and as part of the the football community or the sports community. They have gotten the sign-off from the Seminole tribe. But the Cleveland Indians, the Washington Redskins, the Atlanta Braves – are kind of like, one, they're, uh, especially in the case of Cleveland and Washington, those are like not specific to, um, or sorry, they're not positive. They're like slang words for Native Americans. And in the case of the Braves, the tomahawk chop thing is just a little, it's, I mean, like I, you know, my general, my general stance is like, quit being so sensitive. But mostly I mean that for, um, I mean it for liberal white people, because to me, if the, if the supposed disenfranchised group isn't speaking out, it's not really your job as a white person to speak out on their behalf. And, but in this case, like I remember when the Washington Redskins, there was the you know the earliest parts of the controversy. They were, 
they polled a bunch of Native Americans and asked if they thought it was offensive, if they thought the name was offensive. And they were like, only 10% of Native Americans find our name offensive. But what percentage of people find the Seattle Mariners offensive or the Seattle Seahawks offensive or the or the New York Yankees offensive? 10% is an enormous number. Most of these names aren't offensive at all. And the ones that like, you know, my my uh, my brother-in-law brought up, he's like, what about the, what if they named a team the Vikings? By the way, not a sports fan because there is a team named the Vikings. Nobody's mad about that. Part of the reason is because they... They depict the Vikings as mythical gods. Now, a better example maybe is like the Notre Dame fighting Irish. That's a good example. And I, yeah, I mean, that's a good example. I don't have a good argument against that being that much worse than, or that much better or any better than the, the, uh, like stereotyped ethnicities portrayed by, the teams that are named after Native Americans. I don't even think it's, I mean, to me, it's not even really that different except for the fact that there's a longer history of the United States government specifically and directly impacting the long-term outcomes of Native Americans where Irish people certainly have been treated like shit over time, but not as long and not as severely. So the Tomahawk, but I mean, it's, this is just like roiling his base, right? Trump is always going to be on the, on the anti PC side of, of any argument. Like we know that about him. And also, by the way, there's this election and I guess, I guess we're diving into politics and I, maybe I'll just end it on this because I mean, here's the thing. I'll, I'll go over a couple things. I had an amazing Halloween with my daughter. We did, we went trick-or-treating. It was very fun. It was very cool. It was the first time she's ever been able to trick-or-treat. Even like last year, there would have been, it would have been like a little more difficult or it would have been difficult because she was, you know, not walking incredible at that age or whatever. But, um, and the prior year she was very young. We actually could have gone in 2019, but she's like, you know, months old. And if it would have felt like this is our prop to get your candy where, now she actually collects the candy. We still eat it, but she collects the candy at least. And I guess maybe I'll wait um, to talk about this, but I, I'll just let you know, I am aware of the Colin Kaepernick uh, Netflix thing. I am aware of some of the wild shit being written a dead spin. I'm also aware, I guess the, uh, Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID uh, potentially not coincidentally right after spending time with, uh, Burt Kreischer, which is, I mean, just the thing about Aaron, like we, people already hate Aaron Rodgers so much. And now they're finding out that he maybe was not vaccinated. And because of this fucking stupid culture we live in, everyone thinks that they should get to wait. That should make them hate him more. <laughs> I just don't. I have so little, um, I have so little like desire to, to, um, to like talk about Aaron Rodgers vaccine vaccination status. 
let the man heal. Did he have immunity before? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it didn't, whatever he had did not stop him from getting COVID-19 this time. So, okay. Donald Trump, uh, there was an election and people are, the Democrats have lost ground to Republicans in a bunch of key spots. I don't really know that much shit about it, but what I know, one of the things that I know is that in Virginia, I saw this graphic and it just is, to me, it's like very emblematic of where we're at right now because the point, it pointed out that, um, Uh, 2016, it was something like, I don't know, let's say a little under 60% of uneducated white people, not uneducated, but no college degree white people voted for Donald Trump in Virginia. And this time around, it was more like 75%. It was a big jump, a big jump in uneducated white people. And people... They're making this out to like as though the the GOP created more uneducated white people, and they're they're trying to make working class. This is this is my thing that I'm I'm ultimately starting to realize is that be they the Republicans or the Democrats, these political parties hate working class people because they don't even like even like from a from a racial lens which we tend to view things from. We're never like, oh, there's this many people. Are you re-? like I mean, I don't I've never heard anyone say like there's this many people that are making like very comfortable livings in the trades. It's always like we need we have this percentage of black CEOs. And of course, that's like good for people to see that there's CEOs of their and high achieving people of their race. I um Sure, representation is important, but the thing that bothers me about this is that there's never like a reflection on the failure of the rhetoric or the failure of the past policy execution. So like we've been talking about um, prescription drug costs and shit like that since for like 10 years or something like that. And nothing's changed. It's exactly the same. It's the same bullshit. It's there's. Like I've I've voted Democrat. I've never voted Republican in my life. I've voted Democrat exclusively. I don't I don't know that I have it in me to vote Republican, to be honest with you. To be completely honest. And I think and maybe it's just social pressure. Because I'm not happy with I'm not happy with the policies. I'm not happy with the execution. I don't trust any of the the Democrats any more than I trust the Republicans. I mean, maybe I'll vote third party at some point, but it's just pathetic these fucking people and then they and then they vilify working class people. I believe that I saw this might not be true, but I think that I saw that like almost every group including black men, black women, latino men, latino women and white women but many many groups increased their support for Donald Trump and I think white men for example I think shifted towards a Democrat away from Trump in the last election. Is that the the biggest story in the world? Absolutely not. But it's like, it doesn't even, you know, you, got, you have to like find the data tables. You actually have to do the research. You actually have to look at the fucking article or look at the fucking 
polling to see like where is where are things shifting and that's it's not to say that that means that white people deserve white dudes deserve a fucking medal it's can we just acknowledge that nobody's monolithic and that these these there are incredibly popular policies that are just falling by the wayside because because this partisanship is profitable for these these politicians and being a career politician is very profitable when you quote unquote retire the whole system's fucked and i think that the uh the idea that one party is good and one party is bad and those venn diagrams don't have significant overlap is just complete completely stupid all right come see me do stand up comedy please um I will be Lincoln City, Oregon, November 11th or 12th and 13th. I've probably been saying that wrong. Uh, Tacoma Comedy Club, November 18th through 20th. Spokane Comedy Club with J.P. Sears. He's adding shows. Come check that out. December 5th, headlining Tacoma Comedy Club's brunch show. And then December 17th, I'm in Bremerton at like the Admiral or Roxy Theater. And... December 30th through January 1st, New Year's Eve, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Summit City Comedy Club, opening for Steve Renazzisi. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please tell a friend, a loved one, a coworker about it, and I will talk to you later.